Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Men say podcast. We are back for your Monday debrief of the game of the weekend. Millwall won, Sunderland won. Probably a result people would have taken beforehand. So we're going to uh, dissect that and maybe just talk about um, what did or didn't happen in the transfer window. I'm not going to go on about it, but it's 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 come to a close now. So we can draw a line under it and we can discuss a little bit about it. Um, don't know if we bothered to ask anybody. For socials today, Gareth, did we? No. I've been too busy doing myself and I didn't notice if anybody yeah. else had. No, never mind. I'm in the same boat as you. Right. Well, there you go. It's almost like we've got lives, isn't it? Mm, um, something like that, yeah. <laughs> we might debate the point of what the life consists of, but yeah. <laughs> so, well, well, we'll dive in anyway and see where it takes us. Because we've got the Fulham game to talk about as well, haven't we, I guess? Um, and things surrounding that. Um, been a while. It seems like it's been ages since we played midweek. Besides... Christmas period. Is it? I can't even remember. Exactly. Can't remember. Yeah. Oh well. Was it West Brom the last sort of midweek Post, game? Yeah, that ring, yeah. Monday. I, think might, I think you might be right. But Monday is not really a midweek game, is it? It's a it's a, a carryover from the weekend, isn't it? Not the weekend. Yeah. It's a weekend fixture though, Monday, isn't it? Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> Mm. Well, it is, but it is. Though. It's it's from the round of fixtures of the weekend, isn't oh, it? Right, okay, I'll concede that point. Yeah, yeah, it is, but it's still on a Monday. Well, that might be a first, right? Um, joining myself and Gareth to chat about things is uh, Phil Smith from the Sunderland. Oh, good to have you with us, Phil. Evening. Thanks for having me. No problem. Pleasure as always. And uh, you did speak to uh, Christian, of course, didn't you? So we'll. Uh, We'll maybe get your thoughts on on some things. Although I'm sure everybody now has, has, has heard this and it's been done to death in a way, hasn't it? So we're not going to, I promise, I think everybody knows our stance on it, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. Let's talk well, about it. Well, you can't match. say our stance. It's like, But know. I think generally here in the Wise Men Say group, we have a collective stance, I would Do say. Do we really? Do you not think? No? And I think it goes beyond the Wise Men Say. Mm, like, well, 80% I would, say, I would, I would say, say of the fan base probably have the same stance. I would, I, would say, I, I would say that it's. I would say that it's a stance of it taken by individuals, and it's not a collective one. No, that's my point. It's not like we go. We could. We decide to come out with something like it's a political party or something. <laughs> but as individuals, everyone's kind of got a position on it. And okay, yeah. Be, as a, as, in the, as a, you know, we're not going to do a statement or anything. No, they yeah. are in a line. They are in alignment. <laughs> is there? <laughs> somebody might say. <laughs> Yes. Our values exactly. are in alignment. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, how was the atmosphere, Phil? Uh, biggest crowd since 1995 for Millwall. That's, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, they're not, they're not a huge club, Millwall, are they? So, like, 18,000 might not seem great, but still, in context of that being their biggest crowd in nearly 30 years, um, yeah. led for a good atmosphere, it sounded like. It was intense. It was a really, um, it was a really intense game of football. I felt sort of drained by the end of it, you know, when you have those kind of games where you feel like you can't take your eyes off it. And even though it wasn't exactly a game where there was loads of chances or anything, it yeah, it was a really intense atmosphere. And I think you alluded to it at the start there. Like it was a game that I think you sort of going into it thinking, take a point from this and, and get home kind of thing. That's okay. And I think the way the game panned out, and like you say, the extra sort of edge that Millwall had, I think it's a very difficult place to go anyway. And their results at home bear that out. You know, they don't lose many. Um, that's why they're sort of pushing for the playoffs. So, 
yeah, I thought the atmosphere very much lend itself to them almost being like um, even more Millwall than usual Millwall. Um, and they were, they were impressive at times. It's very, very, very old school in possession. It's set pieces and it's bombarding the box out of possession. They're genuinely very impressive, the amount of ground they cover. Um, and they made it very difficult. So in the end, I think to come away with a point, move on, get home, <laughs> forget all about it um, and, and get back to some some more um, modern, normal football matches, I think I'm, I'm quite happy to take that. Very contrasting styles of football. Do you think it's fair to say? There aren't, there, aren't, there, there aren't many players like that anymore. Um, you know, and I don't, like I say, I don't mean that as a criticism, because especially off the ball. I think it's really impressive. You know, the way they shut, um, you know, we've seen some of Sunderland's players, um, you know, tear teams apart in this division and, and almost all of them were a bit off the boil on Saturday. And I think that's partially because of how good Millwell were. You know, every single time Jack, Jack Clark got the ball, you know, Honeyman had dropped in to make, you know, 1v2 every single time. So impressive the way they cover the ground. And there aren't, there aren't many teams who play like that. Um, in terms of how direct they are, I think Preston are probably the only ones who I can think of who've played like that this year. Whereas very much been sort of playing for set pieces and, and playing it forward into sort of big target men, if you like. So yeah, totally different game. And I think probably thankfully one that you Sunderland won't have many of because it's clearly not a great matchup um for the way that Sunderland play. So um, but I thought they stood up to it. Do you know what I mean? I thought probably Millwall deserved to win on balance, I think. Um, but it was good to see Sunderland not go under um and sort of dig something out. And you know, you, you have to say like you know, it's a very technical sort of young squad, which we talk about a lot, but they've shown a bit of character as well, haven't they, various times this season. Um, and I didn't necessarily see them getting something out of the game when Millwall went 1-0 up. So I thought it was really impressive that they managed to sort of get get something out of the game in the end. And for the development of someone like Mishu, I mean, there's no way he would have been picked to start this game no. had there been other options in the middle of the park. So sometimes just getting thrown into the deep end is going to be the... The best way for a player to come through it, I guess. And it was good as well. He was, you know, he didn't have a great game by any stretch, but he was he was much scrappier than I anticipated him being. Do you know what I mean? He sort of he did get he did get amongst it and he was and he was trying to throw his weight around. Not that he's got a great deal of weight to throw around. Um and he certainly came off second best at times as a result. But you know, I think there were there were a few players really who who I thought dealt with it better than I might have expected them to. And I think ultimately, you know, obviously it's a it's a good set piece goal, which I definitely didn't expect. Um, I think you would have got long odds on Sunderland scoring a set piece against Millwall, but obviously great free kick and a brave header. But I thought Barton Ballard were tremendous, um, seriously, seriously good for ninety minutes. And I think that really was the the main reason for me why I think Sunderland were able to get out of there with a the point. But an experienced head, isn't he? Around around younger players, you need that. He's an experienced head and he's a big head, which very much helps when Roward commented on Bart from the, the the game at the stadium, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he's been, he's had an outstanding season as he and Ballard just looks better and better because he can do that side of the game. He's pretty comfortable in possession as well and he steps out. Ballard's pretty exciting, I think. Um, he's been fantastic since he, well, he was good before he came back from injury, but he looks really strong as well. So, yeah, I did think, although it wasn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, <laughs> and I didn't think it was a particularly good performance. But even despite that, I did think there were a lot of sort of positives to take out of it as well. Um, you know, I think after the after that horrible Swansea game, or what turned into that horrible Swansea game, I was a little bit sort of apprehensive because he was looking at it thinking, well, you've got Middlesbrough who were flying, you know, Fulham in the FA Cup, and then away to Millwall. And I sort of, I was a bit worried that it, it it could turn a little bit and we might go into a bit of a difficult period of the season. So I think to come out with the three results they have and um I think it's I think it's impressive. I think they deserve your know, coaching and, and playing side of things. I think they deserve quite a lot of credit for it. Are you gonna say something, Gareth? I can if you want. Yeah, I mean, well, I think Phil's just covered everything <laughs> off, hasn't he? Really? You might as well, well just, go on. should we just finish things there then? Yeah. Um <laughs> I think the ma- the major positive out of it was, you know, we've we have wilted um, under um, less physical um, challenges this season. Um, we have been bullied at times, in, in like when we played West Brom, Burnley, were examples where we just 
um, did get bullied in those games. They just decided they were going to, you know, I think the second half maybe against Blackpool as well kind of went that way. Or maybe they, they just went, right, we're going to, we're going to spoil the game. Um, and obviously we've seen it before where we have just wilted under the pressure. Um, the first game against Millwall, to be fair, because if you remember the, the, the no, first half up here, Millwall bullied us off the yeah, pitch. Yeah, we did get bullied in the first half, but and we managed to turn around. Yeah, and I would say that you know, you know, we we went there and stood up to them, and you know, an inexperienced team again. You know, like you said, someone like Mishu, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna have experienced a lot of games like that. Didn't he make a comment? Bill to Tony Mob didn't Tony, did I read that Tony Mowbray had said that Mishu made a comment on? Yeah, I think he said he had. Yeah, he hadn't played many games like that in France. Um, was the was the crux of it? I think Mowbray had been trying to warn them all week. Like, I'm not just saying that this is going to be like this is going to be different, but I guess mm-hmm. until you until you're there, you can never never know for sure. It was a bit of a throwback, wasn't? It, it was like watching um, maybe a. Bolton Allardyce team or mixed with a, a Stoke Pulis team, wasn't it? Like that that was a kind of high intensity hoofball almost. <laughs> I would probably describe it as. Um and yeah, I mean they've got the third best defensive record in the league. So, you know, they've <laughs> And they've got a really good home record as well. I think they had a really poor away record, and I think they'd only won. I think by the time we were due to play in the first time around, I think they'd only won one away game all season. I think, and that was just before we were supposed to play them, before it was called off. I think they beat Hull. Um, so it's definitely the case where one of those a, a good team at home. Um, to get up towards the playoffs with the points that they've got, so. I think that's got to be the major positive, hasn't it? Where you you've gone and stood up, you know, you've you've had to do something different to what you normally would to try and get something. And I'd agree with Phil in that. I thought once we went one nil down, I thought that's probably it, really. Um, Especially after really the, hard. The, the, the had a slow goal before that. Yeah. So it's, they were the ones knocking on the door, weren't they? Yeah, I think. I mean. We actually started quite brightly and then they worked the way back into the game and we just lost um lost the impetus because of the way that they played. Um you know, it was the offside I mean, and Robert made a strange comment after the game about it's in the small print or something. I was thinking, well the laws are the laws, mate. I mean not in the small print, it's just the print. I mean, he was offside. We we've we Thought it fell foul of one, didn't we? Black Blackburn, yeah. um, which is quite a similar one, which we we didn't get. Um, where we got that one at the weekend, so that was handy because without it, you know, we we wouldn't be getting anything from the game. So. Good refereeing. Did, so did the ref because the assistant didn't flag. Um, so was, we... I think the, I think basically what happened is this, what after the goal, the I think he's the linesman's probably speaking to him saying. Was he down the line of sight of the keeper, and yeah. was he was he offside? So that it would, you know, they're probably having that conversation. Yeah, that's what I the thought. Decision, the refs so... probably got over and said, "You know, they probably was, had a discussion yeah, saying this way. guy was this guy in offside position because I can see that he was interfering with the keeper yeah. from where I was or yeah. something." Yeah, yeah. Ref, the ref was the ref was really good. Um, obviously, refs get a lot of stick and often totally understandably. Um, the officiating was, was, I thought, was really good on Saturday in a very, very difficult game to referee. Could argue that could have had the yellow card out quicker in the first half, um, you know, because there was a lot of um, tactical fouling. I think yeah. we call it nowadays going on. Um, so you, that was definitely a frustration. But generally speaking, I thought he had a really good game, and that was the right decision. Um, you, you can't stand in front of a goalkeeper in offside position, can you? Um, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was one of the best refereeing performances I've seen this season. Actually, all in all. I think that's fair. I think it was, uh, you know, a lot of, like you say, tactical fouls, a lot of just niggly. It, it felt like there were about 20 fouls in the first 20 minutes, you know. It was just very stop-start. bit strange that some of the the added time, I, I think in the second half, I think we probably could have had 10, 12 minutes of added time, um, really. 
But I was glad we we didn't have to have it in that case because I think at one one it was like yeah, absolutely snap your hands off for that and probably would have taken the point before the game, knowing that you've played them twice with their record and you've you've taken four points off them. So um, you know, it's you know, massively uh I would say they deserve like loads of credit for, for the result in in just showing that character to to get through it, you know, back to the front. And uh obviously Sergan I think Sergan's a very I mean he seems to have had quite a few knocks to the head since he's been he's missed a period with concussion before, I think. Last season, I think I'm sure he got a nasty head injury and was out with concussion. So he's not afraid to stick his head in. Um, and so it was nice to see him get some reward for it this time after he was uh, sparked by the keeper. <clears throat> Which is where do you stand on right? You scored, but at what point does that is that dangerous play? I mean, at what point do you say, well, is that a red card? Now, some people might can't. That's ridiculous. Some people might say that's a ridiculous statement. But if he wins the but if he wins that header and it goes wide, is it a penalty? It should have been. Yeah, I, I would say so. He's, he's, the keeper's coming out. He's trying to punch a ball. He completely missed it and punched him square in the face. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? But. It's just, it's a weird. I know it's have this, they just have this force field around them where yeah. they just, they refereed entirely differently to everybody else on the pitch. It's always been like that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, people I, can come out and like throw his knee in the air. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, you, you can't jump for a header in the middle of the park with yeah. your knee in the air. Like, they're taught, jump. yeah. They're taught to do it, aren't they? They're taught, that's how they're taught to claim a ball with your knee up to protect themselves. But obviously, the byproduct of their protecting themselves is. Potentially doing damage to the to the uh, oncoming party, um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm. I just thought it was an interesting point to debate. I don't know. I mean, is is that is that dangerous play, or do we just go? It's just part of the game. I don't know. But I, I don't I know if anyone's got the answer to that. To be fair, no, no, I don't because. My my instinct was, you know, that's just that's just football, and you know, it, it happens sometimes when goalkeepers come for the ball, but. When you strip it back, like you can't really just be going around punching people in the face, can you? Um, <laughs> like, like you can, can you? When you strip it back, but also I, I think the point that you know if Gareth Manchester head goes wise, or alternatively, if the ball if the free kick ends up just being over Certain's head and it runs out for a goal kick, and the keeper punches Certain in the face, I mean it's a foul, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like like it, it has to be, doesn't it? So um, yeah, I think there is a case. I didn't think so at first, but. When you sort of think about it, it's like, yeah, you, you can't just go around sparking people out. Um, he's out, he's out cold. Yeah. You can't I mean, be doing it, can you? You just kind of, but like Stephen says, it's that you kind of preconditioned, aren't you, to say, well, they're allowed to do that. Yeah, that's exactly my you? point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't um, think about it. You just go, oh, he's had a collision with a keeper. But if you had a collision with a, if somebody's gone for a header, like another defender, um, and is like elbowed them, then. It's a foul, isn't it? So it's kind of the same thing, really. I guess the occupational hazard is that, well, you, the goalkeepers are allowed to use the hands where the outfield players aren't. So I guess they're going to get in the way sometimes, and that's got to be factored in. But just those things, you, you can't I think just when you're be so a... when you're so late to it. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's punched the ball and then on his follow through. Like he is a long way behind. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I think the more I think about it, the more I think there's a case that it is a dangerous play. Um, oh, yeah. Let's write the FA then. But, um, <laughs> get, the yeah. shit, get and put some more small print in the in the laws. Um, yeah. But yeah, that just it just summed it just summed the afternoon up. Really, it was just a bit a bit surreal at times. Um, you know, it's like balls in the net, but blokes like out cold on the floor. It's like it was just yeah, odd afternoon, odd afternoon. I was pleased to get home and. Uh, and, and pour a whiskey and take a deep breath because it was um <laughs> it was it was pretty pretty wild. It's quite funny to see George Hunman playing a team like that, isn't it? He was so excellent. Tall, so tall and physical, and then he just like buzzes around. Honestly, though, he buzzes was, around the second balls. I guess he was he was tremendous, and it just goes to show that how much of football it's like. It's about finding the right team and the right position and the right blend, and it was just perfect for him. Um, 
he was dangerous because you know Millwall were winning the ball back in areas where he could hurt players. And like I say, like his work rate off the ball, like honestly, I mean Clark was poor, I thought. Um, but part of that was because he was just never ever got the space to make those sort of runs in field that we used to. Honeyman was just on him every time. Um yeah, and he was playing with a you know, with a head injury at one point as well, because he'd been um knocked out by Elise. Um Elise did get the ball though. But yeah, Honeyman was Honeyman was excellent. Um and he looks a good fit. Um I'm pleased for him. He seems to have found a good home and a good team that suits him. Mm. I mean, typically scored as well, wouldn't it? Well, he didn't know, did he? So. No, what do we think about um, the new signing and throwing in at the deep end? Are you going with Joffy? Gilhart. What everyone calls no, him. Call him we, you know, you refused. I knew you would refuse. Just I'll point blank him, refuse no. to call him Joffy. No. You know, everybody calls him it, so who are we to, no. to go against that? Well, they can. <laughs> I won't. I'll just call him Galhart. Phil, I now challenge you to just start referring to him as Joffy in anything you write about him. Don't even acknowledge his surname. It's just Joffy from now on. If he was Brazilian, he could he could have Joffy on his shirt and that, couldn't he? That would be like a thing. Because that's what they do, don't they? Have the nickname, he could have that. Well. Why is that exclusive to Brazilians? Exactly, why yeah. Why can't... Didn't um there was a few players who've done that. What do you call the lad at uh didn't didn't that lad the lad well, there's, um... there's an absolutely incredible one. The lad moved on deadline day. I can't remember where he moved to, maybe one the listeners will know, but a winger called Jeff Inyo, which I just thought was amazing because <laughs> it's literally spelled Jeff Inyo, which is like yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Anyway, that's a total tangent. Sorry. Well, well, what, the question, I mean... what what did I think of young Joseph? Was that the question? Yeah. I thought um <laughs> he's very 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 different to Stuart not just because he's much smaller than him um, he wants he looks to me like he wants to come to the ball um, broadhead more know, like yeah a lot more like broadhead I would suggest he wants to drive at players with the ball he wants to come deep and link up with players um, some really nice moments he played one pass with his shoulder um, which was fairly outrageous it got sort of fizzed into him um, and he just like Used his shoulder to spark it out one had on the right, which was which was fantastic. But yeah, I thought that um, I know we talk a lot about or we have been talking a lot about strikers, and I think I think on Saturday, I think what I felt it wasn't so much about having a target man or a link up, if you like. I think it was more just we lacked that player who makes those runs that Stewart does. You know, where if you're under pressure, you can put it up the channel, um, and he'll he'll get a defender running backwards, and he'll put them under pressure. Um, and we definitely, there were a lot of times when we got the ball out wide um, and there wasn't that player sort of making that run across the front post like Stuart does, which I think made it quite easy to defend against. So I think it's natural that it's going to take a little bit of time and adaptation. He had some, he's got some, he's got really good quick feet and get away from players quickly. It's very hard to get the ball off. Um, he does look like a really exciting player to me, but I think it might take a little bit of, um, a little bit of adjustment because, yeah, like I say, he strikes me more as a broadhead than a Stuart. He wants to, he wants to come deep and he wants to be around the edge of the box. Um, so I guess it'll be teammates adjusting to him and probably him. I don't know how much he's played almost as a main striker at Leeds. Um, someone listening might know more than me. Um, but I wonder if you know he's, he's used to kind of playing around other people and playing oh, off well, people I'm, I'm because he's sure. coming off the bench, you know. Yeah, I know he came, sure. he came through. He came through Wigan very much as a number nine. It's not like it's yeah. not familiar to him. But how much he's been doing that at Leeds, I'm, I'm not sure I'd be interested to sort of know more about that. Pretty sure what the read now is doing on it was suggesting that he had been playing more in and around the nine recently for Leeds, but there's definitely quotes from Bielsa saying his long-term position is number nine, and that's where we need to try and fit yeah. in the team. It, 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 was, it, was a, it was a bad game for him to debut in. You know, Sunderland didn't have anywhere near as much as the ball in the opposition half as we used to. Not a bad um, thing necessarily, though. Baptism of fire and all that. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he, 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 he's very talented. You can tell straight away. He, he shows for the ball. He wants to take it on. He takes players on in quite dangerous areas. Um, there was a lot of like about him, but it just there wasn't that sort of. I don't think we were functioning um, hugely well on Saturday. Certainly not going forward. And obviously, it doesn't help. You know, like I, th- I thought, Ahmad was a little bit off his best. Um, See, I, I'm not. I'm not concerned about it, but I think you can see that there's going to be a little bit of adjustment to do because he's clearly, um, he's clearly very different to that kind of like Stuart player. Um, 
I just thought he looked like a player who hadn't played many f- games of football yeah. this season. That's what he looked like to me. Looked like somebody who he did compete physically quite well. He does look quite strong. Um, but I just thought he needs games. He's going to get them, obviously, because we haven't got another option. Um, and I thought we could have done with one after about 55, 60 minutes because he looked very tired in the second half. Um, looked like he was running on empty a bit. Um, and I didn't think he had a, a great game, but you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna hold that against him, do you know what I mean? It's probably his first full ninety minutes of league football this season, isn't it, really? I can't imagine he'd have started and played a full game for Leeds this season. So. And, that, and this game, as Phil keeps saying, in terms of the way Millwall play, is as far away removed from a Premier League game that you're ever going to see as well. Yeah, like It'll have been a massive shock to the system, wouldn't it? Coming in and... Yeah, probably, like lead, probably yeah. leading the line in that environment. So well, I think he did. I think he, you know, he tried to do the right things. I mean, he, it was a couple of times he won some free kicks from backing in and holding the ball in the first half. So he, he can do that stuff. Um, and there was a, but there was just a couple of times where I bet you that chance he had. Well, wasn't a chance really, but where we got down the right and um, first was pulled inside. Yeah, it was pulled inside to him and. He had space to have a strike from the edge of the box, but he took a touch and kind of ended up getting the ball stuck under his feet a bit. Um, I kind of thought that looked like somebody who hasn't seen the ball in that area enough. In four or five games' time, I reckon he's hitting that first time. And also, if Robert had decided to play him in in the second half when Roberts went on that run, he would have had a a really good opportunity to strike a goal um, and he should have play, played him in which was it was an amazing run like you just put the afterburners on it was like where it was like you found an extra 10% from somewhere and off he went um, thought he was our best attacking threat at the weekend I thought Roberts he was excellent um, and really, tr- really tried playing, to drive I us. think he's playing really well at the minute I think it's the best he's been oh yeah he's, he's looking really good um, um, so that's, but I, th- I think in t- I reckon in, like just like you look at the players we've got, and they are talented. And sometimes you can see the talent, but and we, we you can look at the team as a whole and look at every a lot of these younger players who sort of now you can't couldn't imagine them dropping dropping them someone like Ahmad. Whereas at the start, people were like, "Well, I'm not sure about him," but you could see he's got talent. Same with Mishu, he's got talent. But like Neil, start the season, but took a while to get himself going probably so it just gives you the confidence where you think well you can see he's got a bit of talent if he's got give him four or five games and you know we might be talking about him you know you, we won't be talking about the Millwall game and um, we'll be talking about you know how what a positive impact he's he's had since he's come in hopefully so I'm, I'm hoping it goes that way it has to really because um we, he has to he has to fire basically. That's a it's a big pressure. There'll be a lot of pressure on his shoulders because we he has to, he's the striker. Yeah, he has to he has to perform. Another debut, um, Joe Anderson, and hasn't played any senior football before before coming to Sunderland. And according to uh, Christian Speakman, he's got some development and maturation to do to his physical profile. So. Um, how do we think that shaped up on Saturday against a team who have lots of, who have a big presence and maturation in their physical profile, I would suggest, in Millwall? He's, he's more than welcome to some of my timber if he needs it, because I've got uh, <laughs> I've got plenty going spare. He is, he, he is, he is slim. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. He did, he did fine. Listen, that's about as tough a debut as it gets, do you know what I mean? Um with like five, six minutes to go in, in that kind of environment. Um, made one nice sort of sliding interception. Looked pretty comfortable on the ball. Um, yeah, he did fine. I, I'd be sort of low to try and draw too many conclusions from it, really. Um, other than to say that he did, you know, he did okay in a, in a pretty challenging environment. And, and, and um, again, I can't do him any harm, I don't think, just being, no, thrown, not, being thrown into that straight away. No, absolutely not. Um you know, I think it's always good when you get a new player to try and get some 
you try and expose them as soon as you can and, and almost get over that mental hurdle if you like. So I'm sure it'll be um mm. I'm sure it'll be all the all Because he's he's it. another player who that you you know, we, we just said there in terms of uh Geldhart how this game is as far away removed from the Premier League as you can get, but it's as far away removed from under twenty threes football as you can get. That's for sure. It is. So mm. Probably closer to a Premier League game than it is an under twenty threes game, yeah. but um yeah, I mean it was it was funny. I think the game was so frantic. When he came on, it was just like didn't even really notice him. If he might have done some good stuff, but it was it was just the like kind of Phil's alluded to. It was just the whole thing was just a bit of a very it was just a very weird game. And I think that weird Millwall chant where they just say oh for about four minutes without stopping. Kind of, it was just really weird. It was just, and then people were just like flying into each other, and there was a free kick every like two seconds, and people falling over, pe- people getting their heads busted open. It was just, it was just that was weird. just on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it was just very, <laughs> very strange. The whole thing. Oh well, Millwall got to love them, haven't you? Um, right, we'll take a little break, and we'll come back, and we'll uh, talk about some other stuff. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the Wiseman's Here podcast. Okay, Phil, you spoke to uh, Kristen Speakman. Um, the day after the transfer window slammed shut. Um, slammed shut a little bit early for most Sunderland fans, I think. Um, like I said, we've got on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it all season in terms of what we individually think, not collectively, about um, about a team that sometimes plays two up front, being happy apparently with two up two strikers in the squad, even though that really hurt us in the first half of the season. Can't compensate for Ross Stewart's injury to an extent. We're left with one striker who before Saturday hadn't played a minute for us. Um, what were your your thoughts on what Christian had to say in response to that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with some of it. Um, I think probably starting the starting point was that I think it was a really, um, you know, from my perspective, it was a really disappointing deadline day, I think, because it felt like we were getting close to, you know, I'm not saying we were going to storm into the playoffs or anything like that. Um, I should stop saying we. I shouldn't say we. I'm I'm not supposed to say we. Um, but <laughs> I can't help it. It's 30 years. I can't break the habit. Anyway. Um, sorry, what was I saying? Yeah, it was. It felt like you were saying now, Son and we're going to win the league if it's Sanders. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think you were just about to stand. I think you were just about to stand up and hate the mags. Actually, it had been such a it had been such a positive period off the back of you know beating Middlesbrough, playing really well, the Fulham game, which was absolutely fantastic, one of the most enjoyable games I've watched live. I think I'd probably go as far as to say since someone got relegated from the Premier League in terms of the the quality and the and the enjoyment of it. So I think it was really deflating to then feel like the sort of wind had been taken out of the sails. Um, because you know, you're looking at this replay and all of a sudden you think, well, he's gonna play up front. Um, you're back to the situation where you're kind of a an injury away from um you know, from again having to put um you know, play without a striker and it did impact results earlier in the season. It it, it just did. This the stats are there, you can look at yeah. it. 
So I was really, yeah, I thought it was really deflating. I think from my perspective, I, I was dis- I'm, I was disappointed, and I, and I suppose I remain disappointed that you know we've seen them, we've seen a lot of sort of succession planning all over the pitch, um, and yet you know sort of two windows have come by where you know I would have expected you know one of these talented young players to come in up front. Um, you know, I, I kind of agree and accept with the argument that you're not going to have three, you know, sort of established centre halves who you expect to play every week. But I would expect them to have built some depth in that. I know that were, you know, a lot of talks with certain targets who went elsewhere. I think people know Nemeth who went to Hamburg was a big one as well. So I, I was I was disappointed. I, I agree with the argument that you can't panic in the latter stages of the window, especially not in terms of a permanent <clears> deal. Um, and go and saddle someone with a contract that might impact your budget next year. It might not make much of a difference. I don't think people expected that, though, did they? I think, and and that's what a lot of people have have, have, have come on to us for as well, on socials and stuff like, do you want another Will Grigg? But nobody nobody was saying go out and and waste four million quid on on a journeyman and give him a four-year contract. But I think just some plan, even till the end of the season or or another loan or something. And at least this time he's come out and I, um, I don't want to say admitted, that's not fair. But last time you really doubled down on the fact that no, 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 this was planned, and we've got Stuart, and we've got Sims, and we've got Jacko, who we since let leave. And at least this time he's come out and said we tried to sign other strikers. Because I'm speaking for myself here, I wonder if he was misleading us a bit the first time round by just trying to own the situation. Saying, no, no, that was a plan all along. There was still a little bit of that. When he was saying, "Oh, we were happy with two strikers," some of the best teams in the world only play only yeah. have two strikers in the squad, and I just find it a bit patronising personally because Sunderland have played Sunderland's arguably Sunderland's best success this season has been when we played two up front. Mowbray sat and told Gelhart, I, "I could play two up front. I can play." Yeah, you I mean, listen, I, per- personally, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think Mowbray necessarily is aiming to play two up front. Do you know what I mean? He's not asking for three, four strikers who can play two up front. I think he's relatively satisfied with two seniorish strikers. And I think that where I do have some sympathy with the club as well is that I think the ideal scenario is that you have younger strikers um, who are happy at that stage of their career um, with slightly less game time and making an impact. Or alternatively, you have talented young strikers out on loan who, when you get in this situation, you can bring back as you know an emergency like Everton did with Sims. And obviously what's happened to Sunderland is they were all sold. Um, because this situation would be perfect for you know Joe Hugel, for example. Um, so I can I can understand that, and I and I certainly agree with the the premise that just sticking someone up front because they're big and they wear the number nine shirt isn't going to impact Sunderland's results particularly. I don't think. Um, so I can kind of sympathise and understand why they didn't sort of gamble and 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 the, and the premise behind that, but. Listen, you know, by their own admission, they were trying to get a loan in on the last day, um, and they weren't able to do it. And and like you say, there was an acceptance that that is disappointing. Um, and you know, and I, I said it, you know, on our Echo podcast after, you know, I think it's going to impact results at some stage between now and the end of the season, and that's disappointing. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought we spoke more directly than perhaps has been done in the past, and and like you say, with that acceptance that it was disappointing, which was which was pleasing. Um, I was glad he said that because it, I feel like he purposely didn't say that last time round. Um, well, I think I think it's something. Listen, it, it, it's a big summer in terms of that department because at the moment we're only going to have Ross Stewart, and we might not be fully fit going into pre-season. He's probably only going to have, or potentially, I should probably say, only going to have one year left on his contract. So there's a lot of work to do and a lot of catching up to do now. Um, look, look whether it's through, <laughs> whether it's through you know bad luck or. This is a long term but... this is a long term issue with this though. It's like a blind spot. It's a very strange I mean, you know, a few people have pointed out the last permanent striker that we signed. Um, I know some might argue Defoe was one. <laughs> but there was a deal at the end of the season, wasn't it? But the last permanent striker that we brought in was Ross Stewart. Um, aside from Defoe and you know, we kind of we had Wyke he was obviously doing really well when um when he came in there, Stuart. But again, it's like which I just feel like we've been short in that area for about two and a half years, really, when you think about it. Um we had obviously Broadhead who did well for us when he was fit, but we only really had 
But you had White, Broadhead, and Stewart. That's a better striking option than we've had this season in the league. Up. We didn't have White, Broadhead, and Stewart together, did we? No, we didn't. Sorry. No, I can't remember who was. Who else did we have alongside White and and uh, Stewart at the time? Uh, no, it wasn't Lafferty, was it? We had Lafferty under Parkinson alongside. I don't. I don't, I don't know if there was anyone because Danny Graham was retired. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, um, so was White the only striker for a bit? Is that what we're saying? Stuart came, Stuart came in January, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did. But he was injured for quite a bit as well when he first you came in. Yourselves? I'm going to pull Stuckart up and say... There's going to be some striker somewhere listening to this absolutely <laughs> human. Yeah. The, they won't be listening to The this. level of disrespect. <laughs> um... But it isn't. It's just funny, isn't it? It's like, when are you going to be so... Um, sort of hell-bent on and focused on the whatever you're trying to do, which is a good thing to, to have that plan and sort of stick to it and go, this is what we're doing, this is which, the plan. Which we keep, we keep saying. Um, and, but it's just funny with the strikers, isn't it? It's like, a, it just, it's just a completely kind of overlooked area. It, it does make me wonder sometimes whether, in ter- if you look at the, what they're trying to do, and you can look at it from a football perspective, and when the football's good, like it has been, ultimately what what is forgotten, in my, in my view, is that this is a plan not only to construct a team on a pitch that's successful, but I would say it's 50-50 um, constructing a team um, that can be sold if they're successful. Um, you know, you're talking about players developing to a point where we can move them on and make a profit on them and that'll be seen as as as, as equal success because it, it is very much a business model now what i would say <clears> is center forwards generally come at a premium and you're probably not going to make much of a margin on a like margin on the center forward are you really because if you have to spend six million quid to replace ross stewart for example if he leaves six seven million quid you know, you need to be spot on with that acquisition, don't you? Because you're not going to—that's a loss immediately. You know how how well is he going to have to do for you to sell him for fourteen million? Do you know what I mean? So I'm just thinking, I'm just speculating there. Maybe if you Jan- January at... wasn't the time to do to to do that, and I think people knew that, didn't they? No, like... but I'm just I'm just thinking that overall. But this is a long term thing, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's a, we're talking, we're going back to. You know, January twenty one, aren't we? Can I, can I, we can signed I, Ross Stewart or can so. I just tell you? I've just looked at a random fixture in November before Ross Stewart signed, and there was three strikers in the match day squad. Oh, really? Do, do you want me to let you know who the other two were? Well, Graham will be one of them. Danny Graham and Will Grigg. It was Grigg, yeah. Grigg and Graham. There you Forgot go. about him. But at the end, so by the end of that January window, though, they've just been White and Stewart. Yeah, yeah. But I just think it's interesting. Like, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, and I'm not saying that's the reason why, but if you th- if you think about it, generally they cover the the largest fee to a you know generally if you're trying to buy an established forward, but if you're not as well, they can still come at a cost. And if you're not confident that they're going to generate a return on your investment, then you're probably not going to do do it if your your model is based on recycle like sort of selling selling players essentially that's what i mean i don't think it's any secret like we can say that i think that the, a lot of the the premise of the model is based on selling the players that we buy eventually at a profit so it's I mean, listen that's in, that, in the last two windows it's been a big focus in trying to find that young striker who is not we're talking about those margins that you're mentioning where it's a very lumpy initial investment and you know, Broadhead was as close to done as any deal can be done without being done um, and then fell through. And like I say, and I think a lot of time and energy was invested in trying to sign um, the MEF this January as well. And, you know, ultimately you're vulnerable then to criticism yeah. if you don't get them over the line because then you're left yeah. short, which is what happened. Um, you know, I personally don't have necessarily have a, an issue with only having two more established strikers if you've got a little bit of young talent or what have you below it I can get that most of the time you're going to play with one you're not going to keep everyone happy if you have too many strikers um, you know I, I can understand the premise for that but I think it's a I think it's been a disappointment I think it's been a bit disappointing internally they haven't got one of those sort of younger profile players if you like over the line um, because that would give you a lot more sort of security if you like against what we're seeing now 
Um, so, yeah, but it was it was a disappointing deadline day. I don't think there's any other way to, to sort of describe it other than that. Um, it's funny as well. It's like you, all the focus is always on deadline day, and it's the last the last thing that you do is the thing that people remember, isn't it? When it comes to the transfer window, especially in January. I mean, to an extent in in the summer, but definitely January because it feels like you react you're reacting in January rather than the way you August. July, August, your proactive window, isn't it? Where you're going like we've we've had these deals in a while. You get them in if you can early on, so they can be involved in preseason. You kind of building that squad over a number about three months. Um, whereas January is very much like, well, what, where are the problems? Um, in the squad on the pitch, we need to fix that now, or this is going to happen. So, and you know, I think that the kind of the glorification of football transfers as has happened over the years. It's like the new thing's the best thing, isn't it? So it doesn't even matter if they're any good. I mean, it always makes me laugh when, if you look at like any, like like Stevenage or sign like a centre-back or something and you get all the like usual memes in the, you, you know, in the um, replies to the club tweet, sort of like, you know, cheers, sons, you know, all that kind of thing. Can you shag a tweet? All those kind of things, right? And it's like some 35-year-old centre-half that they've brought in. Do you know what I mean? It's just mad, isn't it, when you think about it? it it's just really funny. It's just mad because people are like get so excited about this. Like, oh, well, we've signed somebody. doesn't matter if he's any good as long as you've signed them. Um, you know, but it, it's just funny. Um the whole thing is, is football is just stupid, isn't it? As we've seen, uh, obviously we're not going to talk about it. Maybe if Chris was on, he'd like to talk about it. But as we've seen, obviously with the uh, the Man City situation today, oh, wow. it just let's, goes let's... to show how absolutely ludicrous the whole let's, thing is. Yeah. Let's not go there without Chris. Uh, so comfort blankets. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just finish quickly on on the game against Fulham. Um, a very weird reaction to this, by the way in terms of people getting their knickers in a twist about how many fans might be to concern themselves with how many fans might be there. You're looking at 27 or 30,000 fans, which would be the best average attendance in the championship, I think, with a part besides like Sheffield United are about 28,000. So I'm not sure why some people are getting so confused. Concerned about that person. Do you think people it's, it's, are it's thinking on, it's that on tele- it's, on it's on the, the television? It's on, it's on that, the that's television. why people are worried. That's why because if it's on the television and there's lots of patches of empty seats, thirty thousand fans potentially. Or yeah, but I'm just saying. But that's what people yeah. focus on. They'll go and then they're worried about Newcastle fans taking the Mickey out or something. And that's what they're worried about. They don't. It's a pride thing, isn't it? That's what well, it is. Need, people need to just forget about them, and and you know, it's not. <laughs> Our concert, it's just one of them things. We've got a big yeah. ground and like 30,000 fans for a midweek game against Fulham are going to ring about 500. If you get anywhere near 30,000 for a game that's on telly midweek against Fulham, then that there's it's a really good attendance. It's a cracking attendance. I mean, it's a fourth round FA Cup replay yeah. against Fulham. I mean, if it was a Saturday and it was the original fixture, I think Saturday, I think you probably would be getting around 35. For like the first game, if it, it you know, but the replay with it being a replay midweek, I just think generally midweek attendances are lower, as we've discussed before, just because you know, if you get a lot of season ticket holders who don't live in the area, yeah, um, it's hard, like you know, taking your kids when they're supposed to be at school, stuff like that, it you know, it does affect people's decisions. So, but that's you know, like you say though, if you're getting like 28,000 there for the game, I think that's like nothing wrong with that. At like all. a massive, it's a, it's a big, it's a big crowd for an FA Cup fourth round replay. Um, what are you playing? More, I mean, you know, everyone harks on a Roker Park and that. We didn't used to get anywhere near them, them kind nah. of crowds in the FA Cup nah, for them no games. Chance. You know, like you know, even Berk, midweek, when, even midweek league games, you're probably yeah. looking at fourteen thousand. When like Bergkamp scored that goal, past Perez. Which is one of his famous goals, isn't it? At Roker Park, unbelievable goal. Which yeah. was which was our last ever FA Cup game at Roker Park because they knocked us out. That was a third round replay. I think it was about sixteen thousand there. A lot what of um, lot lot of famous magnificent goals happened to be scored against Paul yeah. Langell, didn't they? 
Uh, the, the, the two, the two were thinking of straight away. Yeah, yeah. that was he in was the same very, month, actually, wasn't it? He was, was very unlucky. He was very unlucky. Was Lionel? I think if he dived with his arms out, it might yeah. have helped. Instead of <laughs> I, diving I always, with his arms, with his I arms always, tucked into his I always body. feel like that's one of the ones where people put that in, like Burkham's top five goals. And I feel like it would be number one if Perez dove for it with his arm. <laughs> but I feel like the way the way he just doesn't even like see Peter attempt to stop it, it kind of like devalues how good it was. Because actually, it goes in the top corner, doesn't it? Yeah. So yeah. really, like it's irrelevant what the keeper's doing; it's gone in. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, in a way, it would have looked aesthetically more pleasing, wouldn't it, if he'd it been a, if he'd put his arm out and stretched for it and didn't. I mean, it. did love Lionel, but I mean, when we did the Premier Passions sort of thing during lockdown and watched that back, he was terrible. I mean, he was really bad. <laughs> like he would offered like no threat whatsoever. He didn't have. He didn't ball. have. A, he, he didn't have a good season that year. No, he the, wasn't. The, 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 se- yeah. the season, the season we got in the playoffs, he was incredible. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he made some good saves mm. in that. Yeah, yeah, but in, and obviously he was playing level below as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, and obviously he was at fault for the goal in the playoffs. But like, we will not get into that. After the no. double save to get us there, he did that in the last five minutes. Um, and we, and we, you know, I was and then he signed for Newcastle we, as well. We hard so. got about nineties football a lot on it, and uh, um, I read something that really depressed us. The other day, one of them things that float around on Facebook and social media and stuff, and said, When you hark on about the 90s, it's no different from when you were a kid in the 90s and your parents went on about the 60s. And that may have made me feel bad. So maybe we should do that. Well, what made, what made, <laughs> I think it was when we um, got to the League Cup final in 2014, which we might what... get. What Which made we might get presented yeah, yeah, apparently, yeah. What was made me feel really quite ill was the last time we were in the a cup final was 1992, which would have been 19 years on from 1973. Um, and it was 22 years between the 92 FA Cup final and the 2014 Cup final, and for some reason, it feels like. 92 was like a lot longer after 73 than mm-hmm. but like it's just it's weird isn't it when you think about it the 2014 one feels closer to 1992 but it was 1992 was actually closer to the 73 cup final it's a bit, bit weird like I can't like remembering those two things as a kid say you were a kid and then as an adult going to the and nearly 20, nearly, 20, nearly 20 years since we were in the semi-final against Millwall at time yeah there you go. I mean, it's it's it doesn't feel like because that feels not that long ago. But that's what feels, I mean. That's what yeah, I'm saying. So imagine they, um, they played the highlights of Cahill's goal before the game, and that actually, do you know when like it unlocked quite a deep trauma that I genuinely thought <laughs> I'd moved on from. And I was like, oh my god, that was yeah. Um, I mean, the, the so thing I about enjoy, that I didn't game, enjoy Saturday anyway. Sorry, but yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> That game was mad, really, when you think about it, because we, we had like we, we had the post. I think we had the we had the post and the crossbar, and we George McCartney missed an absolute sitter. Yeah, um, and I think we, I think Kyle might have missed a a chance in the first half, which was there's nothing to say about it apart from we battered them. We just missed loads of chances, hit the woodwork loads. Of, it was just one of them games, wasn't it? And then yeah, then they've had one chance. They've had one chance and scored it. Then he took um. Took Kevin Kyle off and brought Mark Stewart on. I remember. I think it was like a really strange substitution, sort of right, sort of midway through second half. So I remember and thinking, well, that's, that's so what's happened here is I it. said we we should talk about this stuff less, and we've got we we we've stopped. Well, no, we're not talking about nineties football. We're talking about nineties <laughs> early nineties football. Yeah. Yeah. This is my <laughs> this is my territory as a young and energetic gentleman. This is my area. Is this? Yeah. God, let's quickly. Right. Can't do anything really against Fulham in terms of, I mean, what can you do? No centre forward to pick. Is Lahadji available? No, because he wasn't registered for for the the initial one. And you have to be, yeah, you have to be available for the first leg to be available for the second. I wasn't sure if he was registered or not for that game um, or whatever. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Is he he registered now? 
I don't know. He had a work permit or something here and on Friday afternoon. Or um, something. I, I don't want to say like this is what it was, <laughs> and then someone on Twitter to be like, I've just looked it up, and this means like he's actually kind of playing and becomes like a huge thing. When yeah. the reality is, I just don't know my registration <laughs> don't know rules, um, which I should have obviously researched yeah. before I came on the podcast. So apologies to all. But he had a meeting on Friday, and I don't know what happened after that. So there you go. There's your, there's your insight. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's a meeting that should happen before you sign for, for somebody. Well, that's why I'm treading carefully because I don't want to, like, you know, um, yeah. I'll find out. Talk... I'll find out tomorrow, and I will. Should we talk about Dominic Matteo? Um, I'll tweet Wiseman say it more and let you know how the yeah. meeting went. Thank you. Let's so do that. What, so what? So there's not a lot you can do, is there? What did he I do? Think, I mean, I think was, it, yeah, was I think... it a cup game that got us done on Matteo? No, it, it was a league. Was it Barnsley? Wasn't it a league yeah, game? Barnsley. I think it might have been Mick Buxton's last ever game. I don't know. I think he got sacked and Peter Aikum after that. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. That was a bad bad admin, wasn't it? Maybe somebody, maybe, you know, paperwork is just a mystery, maybe. Nobody knows what it is or what the purpose of it is. Can you play? Can you not play? So there you go. Getting it wrong for years. Who knows? Well, there was a club, who was a club who messed up on transfer deadline, yeah? And two signings didn't get pushed through. Blackburn. Chelsea had a mayor as well, didn't they? With Zayek, wasn't it? Went there. Yeah, but then then he started on Friday night. Yeah, so, well, I mean, there's I lots going on there. Amazing. Mm. Um, but but Blackburn, what... Blackburn announcing signings and two signings, and then oh, by the way, these didn't go through, lads. Was it? Wasn't the one of, a few years ago where they sent the facts to like? It's a great Fulham preview. Like this, a, by the way. This. Well, yeah. <laughs> Low attendance, nobody cares. Um, that, um, well, didn't like somebody's gonna have to find this, right? Because I'm sure somebody like it was, it might have been one of those clubs in that area, like a Blackburn or something, where they sent like the fax to like the wrong number. So it was like it just went to like some other random place of work and not the, not the, uh, not where it needs to go for the signing to happen. And as a result, it didn't. <clears throat> Somebody's gonna to have to dig that out. Yeah, like somebody dug out Sugar Ray Leonard as a random they footballer did. at the match. They did indeed. Random non. Idris Elba was at the Mags yeah. game the other week. So that's weird. There, there you go. So that's that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> like a movie star at a football match, inexplicably at the football. So unless he supports Southampton or Newcastle, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think he is. He not an Arsenal fan. It feels oh, Arsenal, he doesn't. I he? think he is. I think he is. I think he's an Arsenal fan. Right. Well, Fulham. What's going to happen? <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Nothing. Who can even re- even remember what happened last time we didn't have any centre forward? I think we'll have. A, I think we'll do? have a good. I think we'll have a good go. And Pritchard might come in. Do you think? Yeah, I think. I think. I think Ahmad. Ahmad will go front, and Pritchard will come in. That would be my strong punch. Okay. There you go. There's a preview for the uh, Fulham game. Um. <laughs> Sergan can't play, can he? Because of concussion. No. Nope. There you so go. You imagine that is, will, that is your come back preview the, onto the bench, won't you? What you yeah. would have thought. That is your entire preview for Sunderland against Fulham. We'll have to uh, dust do off Chris yourself, Rigg as do well. Do get yourself there if you can. Uh, if you can get there, because it will be good. Well, I mean, it might not. It be, will be good. Yeah, it could get be there good. if you get there if you can. But you don't want to go though. To if be you can't, honest. you can't. It's still not bad at all. Right. Well. Thanks, Phil, for joining us. And Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Matt and whoever will be back Good later in the week ever. to look back at the um, Fulham game. Um, and then we we got Leeds next up. We got three of them. We, By the way, we just man- want to... We were manageless now. Did enjoy um, Matt um, saying we should just... Oh, we, we, Luke O'Neill, will he be available, actually? Don't he know. will be available. Will, yes. There you go. So Luke Nines, that's there's an anomaly. He wasn't available for the first game, but now he's available for this. But Lehadji didn't sign his paperwork, so couldn't play. But can can't play in this because of that. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, he made a comment about um, Luke O'Nine and <laughs> said we should just play him um, to see what will happen, and we'd probably just get a fine or something. Um, and it just made me think, like, 
what would happen? Like, what would happen? Like, if you just did it, like, oh, we're just going to play him. What are you going to do he, about it? You'd probably get docked points. Over yeah, him. I think you would get docked points as well. Yeah. Yeah. How many? I don't know. It would have to be severe vibes. People would just it would be. Yeah. No, yeah. That, well, it just made us think. He was just like, oh, you get a fine. I was thinking, if it was just a fine, then you'd, you'd <laughs> you know, with all the money in the game, you'd just, yeah, you all oh, just take the fine. You can play. Yeah. Don't worry yeah. about it. I think it would be more severe than that. Yeah, I think it would be quite, uh, I think it would be definite points deduction. <laughs> right. Are we done? We are. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.